0: and welcome to the All Upstairs podcast. The All Upstairs was created to explore and discuss metaphysics, consciousness, mental health, and all other subjects around spirituality. Join me, Kate Weiner, spiritual mentor and intuitive coach, as I share my experiences living a spirit-led life. Hi guys, I'm back. I hope you guys are all doing so well and I hope you had a wonderful holiday season. I have had so many changes that have occurred in the last several months and I'm so very excited to be getting back into my podcast and I have a lot of exciting offerings coming up here in the very very near future that I cannot wait to share with you all so very soon. But in the meantime, If you have not already seen on my Instagram, I do now have readings available by donation. It is all mediumship readings, all intuitive readings, and all tarot, oracle card readings. They're all donation only right now. So if you are taking advantage of the new year and looking to do some self-improvement work to do some emotional work, healing work, please reach out to me. I'd love to be someone that you feel comfortable working with to help you facilitate these changes in your life. Speaking of changes, January is almost over, and I'm curious to know how many of you set New Year's resolutions this year. Typically, I do set New Year's resolutions, but this year I decided not to because This year I really thought about what it means to set intentions for the New Year's and really every day can be a form of a new year, new beginning in some regard because every day is an opportunity to start something new and wonderful if we allow ourselves the space to imagine this new change or this new possibility. And I feel it's so normal for us to be really excited about the new year and as a collective, we add these new habits and regimens to our calendars, really only to have them disappear within a few weeks, like we never actually tried to eat healthy or exercise, you know. We get really tired and life takes over and we never get back to those goals that we originally set for ourselves. So I was wondering, why, why does this happen? So I, as I was contemplating this, I really don't feel like it's because people don't have the willpower or the drive or the determination. I mean, how many success stories have we seen where people overcome these giant obstacles and they're like, you know, woo, or crying because we're like, oh my God, you fucking did it. You know, there's plenty of qualities within everyone to create magic and to make their own dreams come true. However, what I have found is that we as a collective do not allow death to fully occur before we start something new. And because of this, we don't have the space, literally, the time, the mental energy, the emotional space to begin and to continue a new habit, a new cycle, a new action For longer than, you know, a day or whatever it is to lose the motivation. Because honestly, our schedules and how we live life as a collective right now is so go, 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 do, 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 more, more, more. But we don't allow time or space for death to occur to allow what we have as our normal to die. So that we can start something new. It is so easy for me to start new projects and to build excitement around the possibilities of what something could be. I love dream world and like creating new ideas. But what is terrifying to me is the loss of my current reality and what I perceive as security. So when we are making big life transitions, like I have recently stepped away from my job and I've experienced a lot of grief and sadness because there are a lot of emotions that accompany loss. And a lot of times when we talk about loss, we believe it to be the death of someone that we love. But it's really important for us to acknowledge that people can also experience grief when they're confronted with other losses like The loss of a job or the breakup of a relationship or if you received a life-changing diagnosis or an illness. Or even loss can be having a baby. You're losing the identity of who you once were because now you're stepping into something new. And the real problem is that most people in the midst of their sorrow or even in their day-to-day lives cannot imagine accepting the loss of their reality. And because of this, it leads us to feeling and going back to all of these old behavior patterns and sticking to old habits because we feel safe doing them because they're so familiar. The natural cycle of birth, death, and rebirth happens to include death. It's a word that It often brings up imagery associated with fear and pain and horror. But death is actually a necessary and beautiful part of our lives, and our modern culture could really stand to embrace it and honor it a lot more. Because death is taboo and uh, obsessive morbidity, it can't possibly be healthy for us. Or at least that's what our culture seems to say. Because it's okay for us to bring it up briefly when we know someone who has died and we're recognizing someone else who is grieving. But definitely not for too long because for a few weeks after a loved one dies or after someone gets diagnosed with an illness or whatever it might be, we definitely offer condolences and we respond with a quick thank you. And then the topic of conversation quickly moves on. Because we are uncomfortable. But death is all around us. And if we deny aging or death or impermanence or sickness or loss, we set ourselves up for a life of fear and reactivity. Which can then lead to a really mean spirit. Because we are in so much pain. And when we are in a lot of pain, we tend to sometimes not deal with it very well, and then it comes out in really mean-spirited behavior towards others. When we do break through the death barrier and we find that we can relax into our lives, naturally we just find our place in the universe. But we must pull back from the really busy and controlling mentality that held us in our fear. When we allow a wave of relief to wash over us and we shift into a more honest and real relationship with ourselves and the people around us, we can then become more present and more aware and more compassionate of others because when we are not in pain, we can hold more space for other people because we have so much more space within ourselves. Emotionally, mentally, physically, whatever it may be. Nature, for example, is a perfect expression of death and rebirth. Let's pretend I'm someone whose life purpose is to grow food on a farm. One day as I look out into the grove, I see piles of leaf litter or dropped leaves from my avocado trees, and I think to myself that it would look so much prettier and so much more manicured if all of those leaves were raked up and moved away. But I soon learned that the leaf litter, which sometimes reaches two feet in height, is made up of decomposing leaves in various stages of decay, hosting countless beneficial microorganisms, insects, and even dropped avocados that deliver nutrients back into the soil. The leaves also keep the ground covered, allowing moisture to stay in place rather than quickly dry up. In fact, the piles of leaf litter are critical to the health of the grove, but my stubborn suburban-born eyes were unaccustomed to seeing the beauty in the perceived mess of the landscape. My perspective has changed because embracing the cycle of death is one way of embracing faith. We can let go of what dies knowing that life will spring forth once again. I may sometimes feel a sense of loss when a crop is harvested, knowing that I won't taste that fruit again from that tree for a year. But I also know that I will get to taste that fruit again, and I will appreciate it far more since I get to cherish the tree all year long. The tree and its particular fruit come to mark the seasons and the years of my life, and they live in my memory. For instance, I know that in June, when nearly all of the avocados have been harvested, there's no reason to despair, because the fig trees will soon explode with ripe fruit, and they are so delicious, and the birds, and the bees, and the beetles, and the field mice will all want their share too. And in August, when the heat gets really oppressive, I will have the joy of a juicy lychee fruit, refreshing my palate. And in late fall, when the crops are waning and it feels like the season for the fruit is finished, along comes the blessed persimmons, the last tree in the orchard to ripen with its sweet orange glow like the sunset of the fruit season. All trees that bear fruit must drop what ripens and move on to the next phase of their life cycle. The same goes for our human lives. We must also drop things that no longer serve our best interests And failure to do so can cause a constant loop of suffering. The simple lessons of nature and life on the farm have so much wisdom to impart. The tree does not mourn the dropping of its blossoms or the final loss of its last piece of fruit. It knows the falling away, the shedding of the old, the inevitable beauty of death. We too experience a thousand little deaths every single year. Moments every single day, in every sunrise, in every sunset, and in every moment that passes. Even our biology embraces death. As the human brain develops, connections and synapses are formed as we learn and grow. Many of these connections will become patterns that are used over and over again, like a well-traveled hiking trail. What isn't often discussed is that the pruning of the connections is just as important as the formation of them for a healthy brain. We must prune away the pathways that don't lead to success. We must prune our roses to ensure a robust bloom. We must prune our fruit trees to channel the energy into the strongest limbs. Pruning is death that is inevitably followed by rebirth. Those who are wise embrace death as a natural cycle of nature, on the farm, and in our lives. We can see death woven into our lives not just with trees producing fruits, but also in many religions. For many people, Buddhist traditions around death hold a special fascination and pull because the profound awareness of death and the acceptance of impermanence The idea that nothing is forever and change is the only certainty is at its very core. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundation of Christian faith. Without the resurrection, the belief in God's saving grace through Jesus is destroyed. When Jesus rose from the dead, he confirmed his identity as the Son of God and his work of atonement, redemption, reconciliation, and salvation. The resurrection was a real, literal, physical raising of Jesus' body from the dead. Acceptance of Jesus' death involves the recognition that your life and your soul are somehow in some way changed forever because of the loss. Obviously, Jesus' death impacts humanity on a large scale, but if we look on an individual level when we experience death, you will never return to the person that you were before the loss. You are changed. And for most people, this change is not good and it's not bad. It just means that you are different now. And being different is okay as long as you are willing to accept this change. How we accept change is through the grieving process. The grieving process involves Denial, isolation, anger, bargaining, depression, and then finally, acceptance. And people do not always go through these steps in the exact order. In some cases, people may actually skip some of the steps or wait even years before they're ready to come to fully accept their circumstances. The grieving process is not easy. It's not a smooth path either. More often than not, it's bumpy, uncomfortable, and a blip in your time on this planet. But that's exactly what it is. A blip. It's not a permanent phase, even though it may feel permanent at the moment. You may be in the depression stage where you feel extreme sadness and loss. This feeling can be so overwhelming, you wonder if you will ever experience happiness or joy again. The good news is you can, and you absolutely will, if you allow yourself to move one step in front of the other. To continue to live and to allow yourself to process your emotions and and your feelings. If you don't, you'll get stuck in a phase of grief or it can come back in even uglier forms where it is wrath and compounded emotions at a later date. It is always better to deal with the emotions and feelings as they naturally come through the processing of grief. Embrace your blip in time and acknowledge these emotions. Feel the pain, embrace it, live it, and when you're ready, know that it's okay to let go of it for the healing process cannot be complete until you learn to let go. In order to be happy, you must learn to let go. There are as many ways of letting go as there are people in the world. But one thing is universal, and that is the need to find meaning in chaos. One way of making the process easier is doing a releasing ritual. So I'm going to walk you through a few different types of rituals that you can do to release and let it go. The first one is to burn it. This is one of my favorite, most powerful forms of ritual. It allows me to spend the time I need to take all of my emotions on the inside and channel it through writing a letter or some type of note. And I will put all of my feelings, all of my expressions on this letter. And then sometimes if I need to take it a step further, I'll also include a picture or a photograph with my letter of whatever it is that I'm choosing to let go. When I have all of these items, I will light a fire with the intention and the awareness of releasing these emotions or this feeling or person or whatever it is that you need to release. But make sure that you're really mindful of how you're setting your intention. Watch your letter and the photograph burn in the fire and be mindful of how your physical body feels as this happens. Allow yourself to let go of any of the energy that you're holding on to and let it go into the flames. If you want to take it a step further after you've burned and released the energy through your letter and picture, try to bury it because once you have created this process where you're releasing, we need to put it to bed. So after you burn your items, dig a hole in the ground, take all the ashes and bury it and then bless it or do whatever you feel called to do so that you're finalizing this process. The next type of ritual that you can do is releasing it into the wind. Sending something to fly with the wind is a powerful ritual to let something go. I believe that this is why so many people wish to have their ashes spread with the wind when they die. A way to release something using this technique could be intentionally to blow on dandelion seeds, to drop a feather from a tall place, or to let sand flow through your fingers on a windy day at the beach. Make sure that, again, like you did with the fire ritual, you're very intentional about this. Anything can be created with magic, and intention and energy. Everything's magic when you are allowing yourself to look at the world with a different lens and a different view. So, as you're going through and letting sand flow you through your fingers, for instance, really be mindful of why you're letting that sand flow through your fingers. What is your purpose of doing this? What are you hoping to get out of it? And as you do that, allow yourself to cry, scream whatever it is, to let it go. Another form of letting something go is to send it to heaven. There are several ways that you can do this. A few might be lighting a sky lantern and watching it fly away on a dark night. Another could be to tie a note to a colorful balloon and let it rise and disappear into the ether. Or you could fly a kite and then cut the cord and releasing it to the world. Whatever your drawn to will be what is most effective for you. Yin yoga is another more physical form of ritual. It's a gentle practice that's all about finding ease and relaxation into different poses. This is a really great and ritualistic way that you can learn how to let go because you're constantly reminded by your physical body of where you're holding on. So as you go through different poses, with every exhale, set the intention of letting go of tension, thoughts, pain, emotion, and everything else that you're carrying into that yoga practice with you. Be mindful, especially if you are a female. We carry a lot of emotions in our hips. So as you're doing hip opening exercises, really try to allow yourself to let all of the emotions flow through you. Another beautiful way to let go of your issues is to let it flow away with the river. So find a flower or a beautiful leaf, or something that's in nature. And really spend some time meditating, kind of like you would if you were writing a letter, and taking all of your emotions, all of your thoughts, all of your feelings, and allowing that flower, that leaf, to absorb all of that energy. When you have all of it sent to that flower or to that leaf, know that whatever you just released will be carried away by the river or the water all the way to the lake or to the sea. And allow it to bring you comfort knowing that you are supported along your journey as you release. The universe will still be able to provide you with support and nurturing and caring. And this is a way of supporting yourself by letting it go. Another way that you can release Is by saying a blessing. This was a great one for releasing a relationship or releasing a job or something that holds a lot of space for you emotionally. And what you will do is you will speak out loud some type of blessing towards this other person, place, or thing. So it may sound like, May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well. May you be peaceful and at ease. And most of all, may you be happy. This is an ancient Tibetan Buddhist blessing. And the intention is to send them love and for you to also receive love and be well. The last form of ritual that you can do to release is to clear space in your physical home. Letting go of something physical can be really helpful in letting go of more intangible things as well. The way I do this is that I will clear out a space in my home. It might be a shelf or a window still. It might be a drawer or an entire room or my closet, as I've recently cleaned out. And I'll go through all of my belongings and see what I do not need anymore. When I have found the items, I will either recycle them or donate them to charity or I'll give them away. And when I do this, I open up space and I'm creating a symbolism that there is deeper work here in letting go. And at the same time, when I let go, I create more space for the new. And while building a strong practice of meditation is particularly helpful for creating a heightened level of comfort with the unknown, it's not a ritual, but meditation allows us the opportunity to release our biases And it allows us to embrace every moment as it is, as it arrives, abundantly in the unknown. Death can teach us so much about living life to its fullest without any delay, without fear, and without masks. So today, do your best to allow yourself to embrace it. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you had a new outlook, new perspective on death and how it can be embraced and how making space for what we do want in our lives starts by releasing the old and allowing death to be part of the process. If you are struggling with making life changes or embracing death or finding what's right for you. Maybe you're having a hard time finding your true north or your path, your calling. Maybe you've lost a loved one recently and you're having a hard time grieving and embracing that death. If this sounds like you, please send me a message either to my email at theowlupstairs at gmail.com or reach out to me on Instagram at theowlupstairs. I would love to hold space for you to talk about how you're feeling and how to navigate those waters to find yourself in a renewed position. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening and we will talk soon. Bye.